You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to church. My name is David, one of the pastors here. And it is an exciting week. I look at all the um, people who I know who are volunteering for the kids' camp. And they're like, you know, they, like that hockey team just before the Stanley Cup final. They're just, they're, they're ready. They're ready to go. But we need to pray for them. Uh, how many kids? I think over 100 kids. Is that what we heard? Yeah. Like, it is going to be great. And it's, I'm so glad we can do this again. So this is going to be really good. But do keep them in prayer. Um, we are actually uh, carrying on in a series. And the series is called, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. And we're doing this series just as a reminder um, that the God we worship is not a God who plays hide-and-seek. He's not a God who, who just is, is not willing to reveal anything about himself and we have to figure things out on our own. But he is a God who reveals. He's a revealing God. And he reveals himself to his creation and he reveals himself to his people. And so today we're going to be looking at an I am statement that Jesus makes. And it's going to point to the theme of bread, right? And all through this chapter that we're going to be looking at, the theme of bread shows up. And uh, what I've been learning is, is that bread, bread's really good. Actually, no, I've always known that. Uh, but do you know it's the most common item in the diet of human beings for most of human history? Um, in uh, Western Eurasia, including most of the lands mentioned in the Bible, um, bread shows up again and again. Uh, bread was uh, so important in the ancient world that men and women, they would work hard just to earn bread. We read even as early on as in Genesis chapter 3, that uh, by the sweat of your face you will eat bread. We read that bread is, is central to hospitality, to welcoming people into your home. We read even early on about Abraham welcoming strangers into his home and by bringing a morsel of bread. In fact, bread is so important that bread actually becomes, in the Bible, a euphemism for food. It just means food. Um, bread in many ways came to symbolize the essence of a meal. And so you're dependent upon this every day. And so our prayer, our prayer is what? To give us this day our daily bread, exactly. And in our day, even today, bread is still important. Amen? Amen, yes. Uh, but here's the issue with bread today. It's optional. I mean, if your spouse or your, your roommate come back from shopping and you say, hey, did you remember to pick up some bread? And like, shoot, I forgot to buy, uh, buy some bread. Life goes on. It does go on. It's not as sweet. It's not as wonderful. But life does go on. We like bread. We still need it. But in our day today, bread is simply one of the many types of food that we can eat. In many ways, bread is optional. Now, the problem is, is that when we read Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, to our modern ears, it'd be like, wow, that sounds good. But in the same way bread is optional, well, maybe Jesus is optional. I can go without bread. I can go without Jesus. But in the ancient world, you have to get this. In the ancient world, 
Bread was not optional. With bread, you live. Without it, you die. It was that simple and it was that stark. And that forms a background to our passage that we're going to be looking at today. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, this is where we're going to be camping this morning. Now, some of you may not have a Bible. Just grab one from the pew rack in front of you if, you, if you'd like. Um, and turn towards the end of the Bible, and you'll come across Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then it's John. And these are one of the Gospels that tells the story of Jesus. So we're going to look at John chapter 6, and we're going to pick things up in John chapter 6, verse 25. Now, in honor of God's word, let's stand together as we, we read John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Let me just set this up uh, for you a little bit. Um, in John chapter 6, we read a, a, about a, a number of miracles that Jesus does. One of the miracles is that he um, miraculously f- feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 people are gathered in the middle of nowhere. There's no food, and Jesus multiplies his bread and is able to feed uh, 5,000 people. And the people are like, whoa, this guy's pretty impressive. Right away, they want to make him a king but the wrong kind of king, and so Jesus will have nothing to do with that. And then another miracle takes place, and you can read about it, and so he ends up in this place called Capernaum. And we pick up the story there. So look in verse 25. When the people, when they found him on the other side of the sea, so they find Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, for the food that endures to but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. They then they said to him, Well, what must we do to be doing the works of of, of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus, this is your word. This is about you. This is what you have revealed about yourself. And so we pray that you would speak into our hearts. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you are present with us today. So give us ears to hear from you, soften hard hearts, and help us to receive what you want to offer to us, and grant us the courage to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, as I say, in this passage, in John chapter 6, so keep your Bibles open, this is where we're going to be camping today. Uh, This theme about bread shows up quite a bit. Uh, Way back in in, in verse 11, we read the story about Jesus multiplying the bread. Uh, It's a miracle. It's a sign. And the people are impressed. The people are like, whoa, 
Here we are in the middle of nowhere. We got no food. This guy, this guy Jesus, whom we've been following, has done something quite miraculous. He has provided bread for every one of us, 5,000 of us. What an amazing sign that God is at work again in the land. Then we pick up the story in verse 25. And we read that um, prior to that, that the people are so impressed with Jesus, they try to make him king, but again, the wrong kind of king. And then they look for him. And they finally track him down on the other side of this lake in a place called Capernaum. And so what's the first thing they say? I think it's kind of funny. The first thing they say to him is they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? (laughs) When did you get here? And they're, they're wondering how, because I'm sure in their minds, it's like, we didn't see you get into any boat. And then you can read about how Jesus actually gets there. It's the second miracle. We didn't see you get into any boat. How, when, when did you get here? Now, I love this question. When did you get here? Because you need to know, in the book of John, John is different from the other Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's a little bit different. John, he loves wordplay, and he loves offering multiple meanings to different things. And so you'll come across in the book of John at the beginning, it's kind of enigmatic. It says, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? You read uh, a time where Jesus, um, he's walking along, and some people see him, and they say, um, say, uh, and Jesus looks at them, and he asks them the question. He says, what are you looking for? And on one hand, it's like, what are you looking for? But on the other hand, it's like, really, what are you looking for? And same sort of thing here. The crowd sees Jesus, and they say to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, on one hand, Jesus could say, when did I get here? I don't know, 3.30? That's when I got here. Or Jesus could say, when did I get here? Um, In the fullness of time. That's when I got here. When I left my father's throne above, when my heavenly father sent me to rescue the world from its sins, that's when I got here, around that time. So it's a, it's, it's a loaded statement. But to the crowd, they just want to know when Jesus got there. And Jesus responds. He actually exposes what's behind their, their question. Look at verse 26. Jesus answered them, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And he says, well, I know why you're looking for me. You experienced this great feeding, this great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Yes, you wanted to make me king. But here's the thing. What you're primarily looking for is what you can get out of the deal here. But as we'll discover, Jesus actually is not really interested in being the wonder chef to this group of people, right? He's, he's, what he's going to offer is so much more than that. Which challenged me this week when I was preparing this. Because I need to ask myself a question over and over again. Why am I drawn to Jesus? Why are you drawn to Jesus? Are you drawn to Jesus because of what he can give to you? What he can offer you? 
the problems he can solve for you. And that's okay. But why do we seek Jesus? Do we seek him for what he can do for us or do we seek him for who he is? Jesus' response here is actually, it's an echo of another response he gives in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says to the crowd, he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what Jesus is saying to the crowds, he says, you... Your expectations are too low. Your sights are set too low. You should be looking for more satisfying, more long-lasting ends. There's no sense looking for food that will fill your belly because you're just going to get hungry again. There's no sense just looking for food that can spoil. But instead, you should look for food that can last. And Jesus tells them to work hard for this meal that he's talking about. Because the food that he's talking about is, is a life, is a life that the Son of Man will give to you. And then Jesus tells the crowd, it's, it's quite amazing. He says to the crowd, he says, you know what? You can trust me in this because who I am and what my mission is all about is so much greater than you realize. It's so much bigger than you realize. Because on the Son of Man, on me, Jesus says, My heavenly Father, God the Father, has set his seal of approval. Like a king with a great seal, God has stamped Jesus with a seal that tells him not only where he comes from, but his authority. I was thinking about the seal because um, years ago I used to work, um, he used to work as an administration manager for this company in China. And it was as boring as it sounded. Like it was... I was in charge of reimbursements, and so um, when people would come, they'd hand in their receipts, and I'd have to write them a check. But in China, when you write a check, you don't sign your name. What do you do? Does anybody know? Yeah, you get a little, you get a little seal, and you get a little chop, and so the chop is, 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 was made at the bank, and it has my name in, in, in Chinese, and, but it was specifically issued from the bank. And only when I used that bank-issued seal would the check be any good. Because it had the authority of the bank, it had the authority of my position and everything. And, and the image here is this, that Jesus says, you need to trust in me and trust what I can offer because you need to know that God the Father's very seal is placed on me. And so that gives everything who I am and everything that I say great authority. And so the crowd hears this. The crowd hears this. And you would think they'd be like, whoa, that's pretty impressive. They skip over it. They totally ignore what Jesus says. And and, and their response is what? Well, what are we supposed to do? That's what they say. What, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What are we supposed to do? And, man, I'll tell you, this, this is a challenge. This is a challenge to me. I think it's an ongoing challenge in the Christian life. Because in the Christian life, we're so bent on what we are supposed to be doing that we totally miss what God has done. Jesus just said, he says, the, the very seal of the Father has been placed on me. And the people are like, all right, what are we supposed to be doing? And the problem is, often 
spiritually, we focus on what we need to do over anything else. And the problem is, is we're so busy doing stuff, religious stuff, that we miss out what God is revealing about what he's willing to do. We, we, we skip over that part. And I've said this before, and you've, probably, you've heard me say this, but I mean, that, that I think is one of the biggest differences between Christianity and world religions. Because most religions is about what you need to do in order to get right with God. Most religions are about what, what religious works do I need to do in order to somehow connect to the transcendent. But, but the problem is, is how, how do you know when you've done enough? How do you know when you've done enough religious acts, enough good things, that the scale is finally tipped in your favor? And now God's like, okay, you're in. Well, and then what happens when you mess up? When do the scales tip back? And if the scales tip back against you, how do you get them back into your favor again? And I'll tell you, trying to tip those scales so that God is finally happy with us, it gets old real quick. It, it, all that it produces is a sense of anxiety. Have I done enough? Is God finally happy with me? And oh, you know what? I've messed up again. God's really ticked at me. So I've got to do some good things. I've got to do some good things. Get that scale tip. And over time, you're eventually done. There's nothing I can do to please this God. He's always going to be mad at me. Now I say this. I say this because I see a lot of Christians doing the same thing. Oh, you know, I'm sure God just must be so ticked off at me. I call myself a Christian, but do you know what I did last night? Do you know what I said? So maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give a little bit extra to the church this week. That, that should maybe tip the scale a little bit. But then I mess up. And I see so many people struggle with this. And what they are doing from a Christian perspective is they're removing the cross. But the other thing is, is it's, it's a common mistake. I've said this before, but world religion, religions of this world are, is, is spelled very simply. It's spelled D-O. What do I need to do in order to get right with God? And how do I know when I've done enough? Christianity is not spelled that way. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's what Jesus has done because we could never do it. Right? Oh, my friends, that, what a difference that makes. Amen. What a difference that makes, yeah. You're living out of freedom. It's, 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 it's a game changer. But here's the thing. Jesus, he lays this out. He says, you know, I've come. I've, I've, I've come to give life, and the, 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 the seal of, the, of God the Father is upon the Son of Man. And people are like, all right, what do we need to do? And Jesus won't allow them to go to what they need to do. And he says to them, and you see, he says, it's not the works of God that you should be doing. It's the work, singular, of God. And what is this work? Well, the work of God is primarily the work of Jesus, is what he is doing. And so they need to trust in the one that the Father has sent. And so Jesus says, you want to be doing something? You want to be doing something? Okay, here's what you can do. Trust in me. There's your works. Trust in me. And the crowd... The crowd gets a little ticked off here. Look at verse 30. They said to him, well, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as is written. He gave them bread and to eat. 
And the crowds don't get it. And in fact, they get a little annoyed at Jesus. And they push back. And they begin to compare Jesus with Moses. And their message is essentially this. Jesus, you ain't no Moses. Oh, okay, yeah, you provided us bread. Um, Moses provided bread, not for 5,000 people, but for hundreds of thousands of people for 40 years. You just gave us bread for an afternoon. Moses' manna came from heaven. Jesus, your food just came from a young boy's lunch. Moses' bread was divine manna, where Jesus, you just gave us regular old bread. So the challenge is this to Jesus. They say, Moses gave us huge, long-term, heaven-sent wonders. If you're this big son of man that you're talking about, well, you ought to be able to prove yourself to be superior to our father Moses. Give us something more impressive. Give us a sign. And Jesus, I love his response. Jesus' response is, guys, you got it wrong on every level. For starters, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread in the desert for 40 years. It's, it was my heavenly father. And you know what? It's not Moses giving you bread now. God is the source of all these things. It is God the Father who is the starting point, not Moses. And your verbs are all wrong. My father not only gave you manna, but he's giving you bread now. And you need to pay attention to this. Jesus is saying, something is happening right before you, here and now, and you better not miss it. My Father is presently giving you real bread from heaven. So open your eyes to the miracle standing before you. And here's the thing, this, this bread that, that my Heavenly Father is now giving you is not just for Israel, but is for the whole world. And so this sign that you're so bent on seeing, well, he's standing right in front of you. Look at verse 34. The people respond. They say, oh, sir, give us this bread always. Give us this bread always. And I have to say, you know, the crowd seems to be taken back a little bit. They're like, their, their tone changes a little bit. And they're like, okay, this is the bread that we want. We want this bread always. We're beginning to see what you're saying. And Jesus, his response is this. Give us this bread. Give us this bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This marks the first of the I am statements. There's seven, a number of completion of perfection. In the book of John, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. Jesus says, I am the bread, better translation, I am the bread of the life. Jesus has within him not just life, but the life our hearts hunger for. And the reality is, is that no amount of Freedom 55, no amount of traveling, no amount of whatever you want to do this summer is going to feed that hunger that you have. I'd say even the most hardened atheist 
has this deep hunger that there's got to be more to life than this. I had that when I was an atheist. Our hearts long for something more. As a, as a great poet, Bruce Springsteen, once put it, everyone has got a hungry heart. And what Jesus is claiming, Jesus is claiming in his own person that he is the one that the, every human heart deeply, deeply longs for. That our deepest hunger is only satiated in Jesus. And then Jesus applies this personally to all those who are listening, including to every one of us here this morning. Jesus calls us to come and to trust. Whoever comes, whoever trusts. The call of Jesus today is to come and to trust. So let me ask you this. How complicated is that? Not really that complicated. Jesus says two things, come and trust. All the grandeur, all the greatness, all the glory found in the bread of life, all the work in his coming, the incarnation, in his words, in his deeds, in his suffering, in his death, in his crucifixion, Jesus does all the work. Jesus does all the work. And it's a reminder, and I've said this many times, but it's a reminder that, that, that God is always on the front foot in the Bible. Grace always precedes anything else. It's always grace. We respond to what God does for us. And so what is required on our part? Two things. Come and trust. If you come, you'll never be hungry again. Whoever trusts in him will never go hungry. They will never go thirsty. And I'm sure the crowd, when they heard Jesus say these words, I'm, I'm sure they, they heard an echo from a prophet, from the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, we read these words, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Now every one of us here is hungering for something more to life. And some of you, you may have been a Christian, you may have followed Jesus for a long time, but if, you, if I were to describe your life, you're hungry for more and your life feels like a dry and barren land where there is no water. And you're struggling. And you're like, man, there's got to be more to it than this. Well, Jesus is that more. And his invitation is to come to him. And to trust in him. Every one of us desires to feel, feel alive. I love what the uh, second century church father, Irenaeus, said. He says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Do you long to be alive? Everything in this world does a number on us. 
most of the time I feel like a zombie. I'm, I'm going through the motions, but I'm dead on the inside, right? Everything about this world makes us into zombies. It just kills our soul. It makes us hunger. And then we try to find satisfaction in things that will give us a bit of a hit, but it's not going to satisfy. You know what I'm talking about. Different things that we think are going to deliver, but they don't deliver. Jesus, his invitation is, is like, I, I'm, I, am, I am the one that you're looking for. That deep something that you're missing, it's me. I'm the bread of life. Why would you look for food anywhere else? Come to me and trust in me and you'll live. We are all that he wants. And he is all that we need. And so Jesus' invitation to us today is to come to him and live. Will you hear him? Now, one of the ways we can respond, some of you may be, okay, I'd like to come to him. One of the ways we're going to do so is through communion. We're going to take communion together. And we're taking ordinary bread and ordinary juice. Now, when you came in, if you're interested, you could have got one of these. If you haven't, um, put up your hand. And do we have ushers on hand? Yes, we do. Look at that. They're on the spot. If you need one, just put up your hand nice and high so we can see. Yeah. Yeah, come on in, Tiff. Yeah, thanks. There's some people down here that would need some. Yeah. And while it's being handed out, let me just explain a little bit about what this means. We've been talking about coming and trusting, right? Well, one of the ways we reflect our willingness to come and to trust is by taking bread. And the bread is at the top of this little container. And when we take the bread, we're saying, Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are all that I need. Okay, so when you take that bread, you're saying, you're making a pretty big declaration that Jesus is the bread of life. And that you are coming to him and that you are trusting in him and that you belong to him. So you're saying something pretty big. And then when you take the juice, you're reminded that all that we have on offer is not anything we bring to the table, but it's what Jesus has done for us. It reminds us of grace because the juice represents Jesus' shed blood on the cross. He died the death that we should have died to forgive us for the sins that we could never get rid of. And so Jesus does it all. And so you take the bread, you say, I belong to Jesus. I'm coming, I'm trusting in you. And the juice reminds you that it's grace from beginning to end. Does that make sense? Okay, so what we'll do is we'll take the bread and we'll pray, and then we'll eat together and the same with the juice. Let's take the bread. Jesus, you are the bread of life. Whoever comes to you, will never go hungry. Whoever trusts in you will never thirst again. You are the fulfillment of our heart's desire. And only in you can we become fully alive. And Lord, we confess that we've been looking for answers in all the wrong places. That we've been trying to find sustenance in something that does not satisfy. Only you can satisfy. And so as we take this bread, we're saying to you, Jesus, we come. Jesus, we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. 
If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.